All right, so we're going to, this week we are concluding our series that we were entitled Jesus, and it was uh, really is going through the book of Hebrews. So we're in chapter 13 this morning, the book of Hebrews, and uh, I think we were going to do this a couple weeks ago, and it just hadn't happened, so we're finishing up today. And we found out that in Hebrews that Jesus is our all in all. He's all that we need. We don't need anyone else. We don't need anything else to make it to heaven. We can't be good enough to make it to heaven. It takes the blood of Jesus to get to heaven. And, you know, there's some, there's some interesting things out there today, interesting theories out there today that are outside the Bible that people are, are using to say, well, we can do this or that or the other to get to heaven. And it's been that way forever, but it seems like it's more and more today because we don't want to think about having to live under the blood of Jesus and, and, and live a righteous life. We want to do it our way. We found that through this that, uh, G, that Jesus is God in flesh, that he is human and he is God all in the same. He was both human and he was both God. But today that he is alive and sitting at the right hand of God, uh, right hand of God the Father, making intercession for you and me, and all those who put trust in him have that available to them. We were talking this morning in our life discipleship group, and the question was, why can't people believe that the Bible, why don't they just automatically believe that the Bible is God's word? And I said, well, one of the problems is, is they have, they, they have to be taught that, they don't know it, but they have to be taught it because they haven't experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, and then uh, Sachs brought up, he says, but it's in the Bible, why in the world would people not even want to, to experience that or understand it? Why they want to read just parts of it and not experience the rest of, it, of the rest of what the Word says? And see, I think that's one of the difficulties that we have today is we want to have full control, and we don't want to give full control to the Lord, and so we're not willing to read all that the Bible has, has for us. We just read the parts that, that feel good or feel okay to us that don't make us feel too weird instead of grabbing a hold of all of it. And that's why I love the term, and it's an old term that's been used for years about churches like ours called full gospel. And the reason I like the term full gospel, it means that everything that is in the gospel is still active and, and alive for today. Now, notice that we say the gospel. The gospel is what Jesus brought to us. It's, it's that New Testament. It's, the, it's that new covenant that was made with us. And the great thing about the new covenant is that when, when uh, before the new covenant, before Jesus came, we didn't have access to all these other things. There were certain prophets in the Bible that had access to the power of God, people like Abraham. There were certain kings like David. You know, there were certain people that received that, but as a whole, the, the Spirit of God was not available to everybody. But on the day that Jesus was crucified and he died, the veil in the temple was torn in two, and we were given access to the Holy of Holies, and therefore we were given access to all that there is. Jesus himself said, these things and greater will you do if you just believe. These things, he says, that I have done 
and greater will you do. And today we can walk in that and we can live in that. We can believe in healing. We can believe, uh, we can believe people can be raised from the dead. Listen, the scripture says it can happen, okay? He says, if I've done it, you can do it, and greater will you do. And the thing is, is we just have to believe his word. We have to believe the full gospel to receive that. And, and what I think is interesting is that Jesus came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. So he didn't just come to give us life, but he, get, he came to give us everything that we need to live this life in abundance. And abundance is not about how much money we have, has nothing to do with that. Abundance is everything that he gives us that we need to live this life, whether it's, whether it's meeting, meeting needs like with Edie, you know, and, and meeting her need in her life right now, whatever it may be, whether it's Connie praying with somebody in the park or in, in, in the, you know, at Walmart or wherever it is, whether it's us going out and praying for healing for someone who calls the church says, I need healing. I have faith. I need healing. Will you come and pray for healing in my life, in my body? Those kind of things. And those things point people back to Jesus. Those things point people back to Jesus. And that's really what Hebrews was about, was that he was, Paul was writing to believers it's saying, here's your all in all. Here's who you need is Jesus, and I'm going to lay it all out to you. And that's what he did. But as he is concluding in the book of Hebrews, he wants to give, he wants, wants to give us some, sorry, my, uh, I clicked on something I wasn't supposed to click on. He's wanting to give us a few things to, you know, it's kind of this, when, when you leave your, your, your parents' house, you know, and they say, listen, I want you to drive safely, okay? I want you to be careful on the way home, you know? Be nice to your husband, you know, whatever it is. Be nice to your wife. You know, whatever it is, you know, whatever your parents tell you. I don't know what all your parents say, you know, or your in-laws say to you, you know. But they tell you, they give you a few things. Do this, do that. Uh, we were at Christy's granny's house this, this uh, week, and here's something that she said to us. She said, uh, you know, my, my, some of my kids have really taken care of me, all right? And she says, girls, talking to my girls, take care of your parents. Be there and take care of your parents. What was she doing? She's given a, a little conclusion of my life. She's in her 90s. If I never speak to you again, I want you to know this is what you need to do. When your parents get old, when your parents get in old age and they need taken care of, take care of your parents, so this is what Paul was saying here. He said, I just want to conclude this and give you a little bit to, to take home with you. So Hebrews chapter 13, let's read verse 1. It says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. What, what is it about brothers and sisters? That blood is thicker than water. You ever heard that term, blood is thicker than water? Brothers and sisters, it's, you know, you may be mad at them, but you're not mad enough at them that if somebody else comes at them, you're like, uh-uh, that was my brother, that's my sister. You know, you may get upset, but you don't, no, 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 no. I might get upset with them, but you don't mess with them. But he says, love each other, have each other's back, be there for each other. Would somebody, would, would, well, he's gonna say it in a minute, somebody needs you, get in there and, and love each other like they were your own brother or sister. And during that time, your brothers and sisters, a lot of you, you live close to each other, you live together, you may live kind of in a compound, and you took care of each other, you took care of each other's kids, you did a lot of things that we don't particularly do today. 
Verse two, he says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. This is this, this is not hyperbole. This is not just made up stuff. He's saying, listen, there are times that you're going to entertain angels. We know that there are times in the Bible that that happened specifically. We know that Abraham entertained angels at one point, right? They came to him, and, and he entertained angels at that point. And, and the Son of God, we believe, was one of those that he entertained at, at that time. So show hospitality to strangers. You never know. You never know. I think of I think of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah when the angel showed up to his place and he opened the door and let him in and he entertained angels and those angels protected him and his family and helped them get out of Sodom and Gomorrah before things happened. So we want to show hospitality to strangers because we may be entertaining angels. Now, sometimes it's just a person who just seems to be an angel, right? It's just one, you, enter, you, you show hospitality towards them and they go, man, that person was such an angel. That just, they just lifted my spirit. Sometimes it's a person that you just, it just ends up lifting your spirit because you help them and they reciprocate with their love and their attention and their affection on you. So chapter three, uh, verse three says, remember those in prison as if you were there yourselves. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Now, some people, uh, if you don't know the context, then you will take this out of context, and you'll say, oh, so I'm supposed to remember everybody in prison. He's specifically referencing, remember those believers who have been imprisoned because of their belief. Remember those believers who have been mistreated. You see, we, we don't understand that because we don't see a lot of believers in the U.S. being stuck in prison. But he's saying, remember them. Don't forget about those who have been put in prison for their beliefs. Just because everything's going good for you right now, remember them too. Pray for them. Pray that God will, will touch them and bless them and encourage them. And they need that. I think of Pastor Andrew Brunson, who was uh, imprisoned in Egypt or wherever it was over there. <clears throat> Turkey. Was imprisoned in Turkey. Somewhere that side of the world. And he, his wife had the opportunity to leave Turkey and come back to the United States. And she never did. She never left Turkey. One, she was concerned that if she left Turkey, they'd never let her back in because they were over there as missionaries. They were over there ministering over there as missionaries. This has been recent, okay? They were over there ministering as missionaries. Everything was fine. They were actually getting prepared to come home, and they were stopped in the process and then they had their stuff taken from them. They were both put in prison. And then they let her out of prison, but kept him in prison. And he may have been in prison for uh, the rest of his life. There was a very great possibility. Thankfully, President Trump stepped in and uh, told uh, the Turkish uh, prime minister or whatever they call him over there, dictator, whatever they call him over there. I don't know what they call him over there. But uh, told him, you know, listen, we're not going to do this and that and the other unless you release Pastor Brunson. And he was released, but Pastor Brunson said, said in prison, it was difficult. It was very difficult. There were times that he's like, you know, almost losing his mind. So we don't understand what they go through. But he said his wife would come and his wife would give him scripture. 
and there would be a glass between them. But they, she would give him scripture and she would encourage him in the word and encourage him and pray with him and say, I'm praying for you. And there are people here in Turkey and there are people in the United States that are praying for you. And he said it was that that helped him keep going. So we need to remember those in prison for what they believe because of their belief in Jesus. Verse four says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. It is important that we honor our marriages and that we honor sexual purity. The scripture says that there is every sin is outside the body except sexual sin, and that is inside the body. It is important. The Bible says that the coming together of two individuals is like bringing flesh and flesh together. Flesh of flesh and bone of bone, he says, he says, you come together and you become one. So we want to honor that. And he, he says, hey, remain faithful. It is, it is a difficult day that we live in. It was just as difficult back then that he's saying, hey, just you're a believer. And even though you're not under the law of the Old Testament, you're not under the pressure of that law, doesn't mean that you can you can put away your responsibilities as a husband. You can't put your responsibilities as a wife away. You've got to make sure and honor your marriage and that if you commit adultery or you're sexually immoral, that you will be judged because of that. It's something that today is very rampant. We need to remember this even today. Verses five through six, he says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Now, I think this is very important today. As we go into the Christmas season, one of the things, the pressures on us is, can we get all the right gifts for everybody who's around us? Do I have enough money to get all the right things for everybody who's around me? Uh, Many of us, struggle, and I'm not saying in here that we struggle, but many of us struggle with, do we have enough? Can we get more? I want more. We were talking yesterday, and um, Sack said, yeah, we were talking about all the TVs at Best Buy. I mean, there's stacks and stacks of TVs when I went in Best Buy Friday, stacks of them. I said there had to have been hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of TVs stacked up everywhere. And he says, yeah, he says, and the funny thing is it's just a TV. He says, you know, people go and they want to get another TV. And I says, well, I want another TV. I says, I got a 75-inch that's uh, 1080p, and I want a 86-inch that's ultra-high definition. But he but it's the truth. You have, you have something in, in this world today. We have it for a year. We have it for two years. We have it for six months. We have it for three years. You know, that's why we lease vehicles so we can get you something new, right? But we want something new. We want something. Because what are we concerned about? We're concerned about money. We're concerned about, uh, you know, what we have. I, I said uh, the other day to somebody, I may have said it here on this platform. I said, here's the deal. I says, we have more than we have ever had in the United States of America, and we're more unsatisfied than we've ever been. You get that? More than we've ever had and more unsatisfied than we've ever been. And I'm telling you, we can go back just 40 and 50 years ago, and we can look at the way we lived in the United States, and today we are prosperous the Lord has prospered us to a mighty extent. I mean, when I was growing up, we didn't have enough money to get a Sam's Cola out of the Coke machine at Walmart. 
you know, and now they sell Cokes for $2.15 or something for a 20-ounce, you know. We get to go to the movies, and, and if you don't go when, on, on Tuesday when it's $5, you can easily spend $15 on a movie ticket nowadays, depending on what movie theater you go into. There, not that I'm not saying that you can't spend $15. That's between you and God what you spend your money on. But we need to be satisfied with what God gives us. When we are totally, when we were constantly striving towards something that God hasn't given us and realizing that he is our all in all. He is the one that we need, and when we need something, all we've got to do is go and ask him for it. And just like we as parents, us parents in here, when our children come and ask us for something and they say, hey, mom, hey, dad, can I have this? Then what do we do? We go, hmm, is that a good idea or is that a bad idea? Should you have it? Should you not have it? Should you spend your money? Should I spend my money on it? Maybe it's the same way with God. And we say, God, you know what? I really would like a new car. Oh, Lord, I really like this. I'd really like that. But God, what do you have? What, what is your, what's your decision on that? And then be satisfied with the decision that God gives us. See, it's kind of hard for us because we go, oh, man, you know, we're making this much money, but we need to make more money. And we need to make more money. And I was listening to a, <laughs> I was listening to a radio program uh, old radio program and uh, um, is talking about how much money a person was bringing in, and uh, this was this radio program is like the nineteen forties, I think, and uh, two hundred dollars a month. I was like, I think is what they said two hundred. Like, Boy, we couldn't live off two hundred dollars a month today, right? And a lot of that is is because we have gotten where we want so much more. And I know things are expensive, don't get me wrong, but we want so much more. We gotta have more, we gotta have more, we gotta have more. We need to be content and satisfied with what we have and, and realize that it's not in money that we trust, it's in God we trust. We don't trust that green dollar bill because it says in God we trust. We trust God and God's the one who supplies. Sometimes that's gonna be in the form of money, right? Sometimes that's going to be in the form of help from somebody else. You know, we've told the story a thousand times, but just like when Connie first came, she needed someone to help her with her deck. She wasn't asking to pay somebody. She wasn't asking for money to have her deck done. She just needed to finish her deck, and the Lord sent her somebody to help her. So sometimes it's in a different a different thing that God sent us, and we need to be satisfied with what God has given us. Paul continues in verse 7, Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the examples of faith. Follow those. Listen to those leaders that have been in your life. Go back and think about those Sunday school teachers. Think about uh, the the conference teachers that you've been around and and have listened to. Think about pastors that you have been under. Uh, Think about women's ministry leaders that you have been under, men's ministry leaders that you've been under. Think about what they have taught you and live out the same faith that they taught you. They taught you the word of God and think about where uh, the good that comes from their lives and follow their example. And you go, well, pastor, but there's some negative examples out there. Well, don't follow the negative examples. Throw those aside. There's some great positive examples out there. Follow those examples. And then verses eight through 14. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then he goes on to give us 
the context of what he said. He says, so do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. Okay? So he's saying, don't be distracted by these other things. Now, them, it was about food. We're going to make rules. We're going to make some rules over here. And you follow these rules, and that's going to make you holy. And we're going to make rules over here, and that's going to make you holy. And we've done that today. We're going to make these rules. That makes you holy. We're going to make these rules. That makes you holy. You know, don't worry about that. And and other things that are out there, Chloe this week had a discussion with one of her team members at her job, and the person was sitting there saying, well, I don't believe in hell. I don't believe we go to hell. I just believe that when we die, we just got to keep on doing something until we get it right. None of it made any sense. But we just got to keep on doing it until we get it right, and then when we get it right, we get to go to heaven, as long as we already said that we were a Christian. I don't think he knows where that came from, but he, he, you know, it's sounded good to him. And the thing is, we don't need to be looking at other rules. There's one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ, okay? And his word is true. It is, it is there for, for, for reproof, for correction. It's there for us to learn, for instruction. We just need the word of God, okay? We don't need somebody else's idea of what we need to be doing to get to heaven. We just need to focus on the word of God. He says, We have an altar from which the priest in the tabernacle have no right to eat. Under the old system, the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. Now, this is just a really interesting side note. So interesting. Jesus was taken as a lamb, just like the lamb were, uh, outside the city gate, outside of Jerusalem. And he suffered and died out there. So let us go out to him. Let's go out to Jesus outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. He says, listen, you can, you can live in all this neatness inside the city, but he's saying, let's go outside those bounds. I think that's a difficult part for us when we're living for Jesus is to get outside the bounds, get outside. You know, Elise was talking this morning about the church that she grew up in, and she says, you know, I just, I wanted my daughter, who, who doesn't live in the States, Miley, I wanted her to, I just knew there was something more for her than the kind of church that I grew up in. And what is she doing? She's going outside of, of that zone of comfort that everything looked good and everything was, you know, this is the way you're supposed to live your life. And she went outside of that and, 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 and it ended up going into a full gospel Pentecostal church and experienced the full power of God in her life. And that's what we need. We need to go outside, outside the walls of the religiousness, uh, re- religiosity of Christianity. There's nothing wrong with religion as long as it's all focused on everything that God has for us. And so many times we put God in a box. We put Christianity in a box and we got to do it like this because this is the way he looks good. This, this sounds great. Instead go, hey, let's just let God be God. And let's go outside. He put himself up on a cross. He bore all the sins upon him to the point that God God the Father had to turn his head and not even look on him. He didn't even want to look on the nastiness and the filth that was on Jesus. 
You think about Jesus down on the cross, you think about all the filth that was put on him, all the sin that was put on him. Think of any sin that you've done or any sin you've seen anybody else do, and you go, he put that upon him. Before, he says, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He took his sin, the sin of us upon him before we were even saved. While we were still sinners, he took that sin upon him. For this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to one home that is yet to come. Looking forward to a home that is yet to come. Uh, old Southern Gospel song, uh, that's what the song says, right? It says, um, this world is not our home, I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. That's, that's, uh, that's it. We need to look at this home. When we look back and think of the things that Paul is saying here, he's saying, don't be worried about the money aspect of things. Don't be needing more and more. Be focusing on God. Focus on Jesus. Because what we have to understand, we want to make our home here. But it's not permanent. We're just passing through. We need to be laying up our treasures in heaven. We need to be storing them up in heaven. You want to know something? This is what I've been talking about the last few weeks about an inheritance. You may be saved, but what is the inheritance that you're storing up for yourself in heaven? Because, see, there's a difference when you get to heaven. There's a difference when you get to heaven. There's going to be some people you're going to, you, they're going to be, they're going to have so much stuff. Why? Because they stored their inheritance up here on earth. Because their focus wasn't on earth. It wasn't on the earthly things. It wasn't on what I have to have today. But their focus was on, God, what do you need me to do? Where do I need to go? How do I need to talk? How do I need to act? Who do I need to touch? Who do I need to give to? Who do I need to help? I'm storing my treasures up there, not down here. Because when you store your treasures up here, and I, listen, I think that we need to have retirement. I think it's a good thing to, to put money back. I think it's a smart thing. I think it's, it's a good thing to go make money. I don't think you got to live on the side of the road and be a homeless person. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, but we do it all in the context of what God has called us to do for him. And we want to understand that whether we have that or we don't have that, as long as our treasures are in heaven, because one day, this life, somewhere between now and 120 years, you're going to die. It just happens. And then you're going to live forever and ever and ever in eternity. You got that? Forever and ever. So where do you want your treasures? Here, where they will all burn up, they will rust, they will, they will disintegrate, they'll die, or do you want it where it's gonna live forever and be with you forever? Where do you want your home to be? Where do you want your, your inheritance to be stored up? Think of it this way too. When we, uh, when we are putting money back as we're younger to, to be able to retire in the future. We do that so that we can have a good future, same way in heaven. We are putting our, our, our works, our deeds for the Lord, our listening to God and following him, we're putting it back in heaven and we're letting it build up in heaven. Now, the Bible says when we get there that we're gonna just wanna give it back to him because that's, that's gonna be our heart. Hey, God, no, this is all yours. And he's like, no, no, no. Remember, Jesus said, I leave to prepare a place for you and if I, because I, I want to go prepare this place. If I don't go, I can't do this for you. And it's going to be a place that no eye and no, no ear has ever seen or heard what 
is really being laid up in store. We can sing songs and we can see some pretty stuff out down here on earth, but when we get to heaven, we're just going to be like, whoa, never imagine this. <laughs> the song says, I can only imagine, right? I just, <laughs> I can only imagine what it'd be like. I really could. I mean, because there's nothing on this earth that's going to compare to being in God's glorious heaven. And, his, and he said he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to be rulers over that, okay? So there's going to be a lot more to it than just sitting in heaven. There's not where I'm just going to be floating on clouds. If you think that you're floating on clouds, then you're probably high, okay? Uh, that's not what the Bible says, all right? So <laughs> there's great things in store for us in heaven to do and, and to live for. So we want to live for, we want to live today like there's no tomorrow. So tomorrow we can live like there's no end because there's not going to be an end. But what end do you want? What end do you want? What kind of place do you want? Verse 15 through 16, therefore let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. He didn't say, let's offer a sacrifice of praise once in a while, when we just feel like it. He says continually, continually, always looking to offer a sacrifice of praise and proclaiming our allegiance to him. You can do it anywhere. You can do it at work. You can do it in the car. You can do it walking down the sidewalk. You can do it at home. Wherever you are, you can continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. What is a sacrifice of praise? Well, what is a sacrifice? A sacrifice means that you had to kill some things off, right? You have to sacrifice a few things. You've got to, maybe you, you, you can't spend as much time doing some of the other things because, man, I, I've got to praise the Lord. Maybe you can't think about some things. Oh, no, I, I don't need to think about that. I just need to be praising Jesus right now. That's what I need to be doing and stop worrying about some of the other things. One of my girls said something to me this morning or last night about something. I said, well, stop worrying about that. Stop thinking about that. Instead, think about the good things of God and think about what God is probably doing in the person's life instead of what might be negative that's coming out of them. Don't assume that the, that person's thinking negative towards you, but instead, think of the great things. He says, and don't forget to do good and share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. God wants us to live like Jesus. Shocking. God wants us to live like Jesus. He wants us to work out our life just like Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? See, people take it totally wrong. They say, well, Jesus was, he was sitting with sinners and the publicans, you know, and he was, not the Republicans, the publicans, okay. Uh, he was sitting with, he was sitting with sinners and he was sitting with, with the people of the day that were, that were not, just not good people. And they say, well, see, he was hanging out. No, 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 no. He was doing good. He was being around them. He was letting them know that he was God and that he had answers that they didn't have. See, that's what always amazed the people that were around him is that he had answers for them. Remember Zacchaeus? He was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up into a sycamore tree to see what he could see. And then Jesus came along and he said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to go to your house today. And Zacchaeus was as shocked as anybody was. 
You're going to my house. And when he went to his house, what happened? A life was changed. Zacchaeus says, all these people that, I've, that I have stolen from, I'm going to return to them fourfold. If that's, is that right? Four times? Fourfold, I'm going to return. What did Jesus do? Jesus changed his life. And then because Jesus changed his life, Zacchaeus went out and Zacchaeus changed it. You know, when he walked up and he's like, hey, you know what? I took, I took a dollar for it from you. Here's four. I took 20. Here's your 80. You know what those people are going, what? What were they seeing? Something has changed. What happened to you? And he, and I'm sure this is how it went. Man, I was up in a tree and Jesus came by. And they're like, you were high? No, no, yes, I was, I was higher. I wasn't, yeah, yeah. Because um, I had to be able to see, you know, because I'm a wee little man. I'm a wee little man. And so... He says, I was up at a tree and Jesus came by and he says, hey, come down from that tree and I'm gonna go to your house. And they said, something's wrong with you. You was up in a tree. And then, yeah. No, 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 really though. Jesus changed my life. Jesus took me from being a thief, someone who wanted to rob you. And instead he changed my life and he made me where I want to give back what I've stolen more than that, because I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I've changed. Who's this Jesus again? Let me tell you about it. Let me tell you what he said when he was sitting around the table that day with me. Let me tell you what he did in my life. Let me tell you the things that have happened. Let me tell you about this person who was healed. Let me tell you about this person over here who couldn't walk for 30 years. 30 years, he was since he was a kid, since he was a boy, he couldn't walk, and he got jumped up, he jumped up and he ran. That's the Jesus that I want to tell you about. That's the Jesus. You know, I, just on a side note, and this is free. Since it's Thanksgiving, I want to give you a free thing here. Uh, I heard this just yesterday. Uh, that, you know, people say this, okay? This had, really doesn't have a whole lot to do with my message, but since I was talking about jumping up. Uh, people say, well, you know, I don't, I don't jump. I don't dance. I don't shout because Jesus didn't do that. And, and you know what? You know what? Here's what you say. Here's what you say to him. Yeah, but the people Jesus touched it. Every time. I mean, they, would t- they, they were running, running shouting, and, and dancing, and, and being loud. The people Jesus touched did it. So we, we can do the same thing. You want to get excited about being a, a Christian? You want to be excited about serving Jesus? Don't be embarrassed because they did the same thing. And what was funny is Jesus said, hey, now listen, don't go tell anybody. And what would they do? Oh, man, you got to believe. You want to believe. This, this guy over here, Jesus, man, he touched me. You wouldn't believe it, you know? And Jesus is like going, oh, my goodness, man. Can't keep your mouth shut. When we're excited about the Lord, we don't want to keep our mouth shut. We want people to know. And sometimes it's by doing something like Zacchaeus did, giving back, way back, uh, multitudes back. Then verse 17 says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. They are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Now, I think this is interesting because there are a lot of churches out there where people in the church think that they are the ones in control, that they are the ones that are going to make decisions, that they're going to tell the pastor and, and elders of the church how to run the church and how to do things. And he says, that doesn't benefit you at all. But I want to say something. This is what is so amazing and that, that I love is that you guys are awesome. 
You guys are awesome. I mean, I'll tell you, there's no pastor out there, no pastor out there who wouldn't want a church like this. Because when you have people who listen and support and encourage you as a pastor, as a leader in the church, it makes your life so great. And and I, I just say our church is this Hebrew church that Paul was saying. He said, their work is to watch over your souls and be accountable to God, so give them reason to do it with joy, not with sorrow. And I was thinking about it as I was leaving church this morning, or maybe when I was reading this last night again, going back over it again, and I was sitting there going, oh, it is a joy. It's a joy to be around this these unlimited church people. Why? Because they are listening, they are watching, they're paying attention, they're wanting to do great things for God, and they're respectful, and they honor those that God have put that has put in those places of authority. So I want you to to just say to yourself, I want you to go home today and go, man, I'm great. I'm doing a good job. I'm doing a great job because you are doing a great job, and and I love it. I tell you, you know, there there's I, I I could tell you horror story after horror story, and praise God, I don't have to because God has given us a great church. God has given you great people to hang out with and be around. Uh, those people, you know, we had just, you know, people over at the house yesterday. And then just when we come to church, people to pray with you and to spend time with you. And, and to me, that is, you just, you just can't, can't uh, ask for anything better than that. Now, I already read this over you when we took communion a couple of weeks ago. And I want to say, as we give God, and I just want to give God the glory again, when uh, a couple of weeks ago when, when the Holy Spirit moved and, and I didn't really preach a message per se, but God preached, God spoke. And when, you know, when Marcia came down and, we pray, and I was able to pray with her, and to hear her give the testimony later that God moved in her life because she didn't feel like she could pray and then after that, she could. After that, she could reach. That is what counts, folks. That's what matters. It doesn't matter how much I preach or how much we sing. It matters that people are touched by God however way he wants to do it. So today, as we close out this, let's close out with this, this prayer over us. Let's, let's close out with this. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the deer, from the dead, from the deer, from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. And that's what I pray over you this morning. That's my prayer as we leave this morning. Let this be on you. Let this encourage you. Go and write down these verses out of chapter 13. Write them down. Put them on your mirror. Do whatever. Put it on your phone and read over it. And when you don't feel right about something, when things just don't seem to go right, say, no, wait a minute. This prayer of blessing has been prayed over me, and we will probably do this more and more in our church, but we'll pray this blessing over, over our church at times because this is what God wants us, wants for us, wants from us, and wants to do in us, okay? Praise God.